Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate fellowship, The Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about how God is using us to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting, go to traincpe.org. And to learn more about our local church fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. In Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, we're told of three experiences enjoyed by the person who has saving, justifying faith in the Lord Jesus. They know what it means to be at peace with God. Second, they move into a life in which an abundance of gracious blessings begin to pour over their lives. And finally, they rejoice as from this gracious life they look to the eternal days of glory waiting just up ahead. We have to know that God is pointing us to a wonderful end, an eternity that will open up before us where all of these gracious blessings that we're experiencing in the presence will culminate in a climatic, unending glory. And that all these graces are attached to God's own being, His own presence. I think it's John Piper that said, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Himself. God is pouring out all of these things that are to satisfy us with Himself. And what we'll discover when we get to heaven is how completely attached they are. All these benefits to the goodness of God, to God's own nature, to the glory of all that God is. And heaven is going to be this place where God is going to enrich us and shower upon us the resplendency of His presence and His life. Heaven is not about streets of gold. It's not about pearly gates. Those things only tell us that heaven is going to be so great in comparison to all the riches that men pursue in this earth and this world today. All those things that they pursue now is just construction material for heaven. It's nothing to be compared with the glory that's waiting us. No, the real glory of heaven, the real wonder of heaven is God is there. It's to be home with God and God revealing His own glorious presence. Heaven is all about God's glory. It's the electric weight of Himself to be enjoyed and celebrated. I spoke about this before, but to me, glory is the impact that comes upon us when we're in the presence of something wonderful. So, you know, if you're in a room and someone that you look up to or respected or had a high view of came into that room in that moment and you were surprised by their presence, there will be a shock of wonder at their presence. You're in a room and all of a sudden some great dignitary came in the room that you respected or some boyhood idol that you had, some baseball player or football player that you looked up to and they came in the room, all of a sudden an excitement would stir up within you and that's in a sense their glory. Heaven is a place where God is going to shower over His people the electric glory, shock and wonder and joy of His own presence revealed before us. That's what we're talking about. This is the glory of God. It's the impact of His presence experienced and realized. If you read your Bible, you'll see that something of that glory is even expressing itself now. The Bible say that the heavens declare the glory of God. The angels who are worshiping God in His presence in Isaiah 6 said the whole earth is full of your glory. You'll step out and go out into some wonderful place. You'll be out looking over the mountains or over a meadow or wherever it is or staring at a little flower or a dandelion, right? doesn't matter what, a periwinkle, whatever you're looking at. At some point in time, something turns and 
checks in your mind and you're caught up with a sense of wonder and awe, that's just a little residue of the glory of God. It's over all of our creation right now. The angels know it. The angels see it. By the way, parents, a little advice for you. If you want to raise your children with a proper awareness of God's presence, teach them to see the wonder and glory of God in His creation. Let them look at it and study it and attribute it to where it belongs. Find out those moments when they're enjoying themselves and caught up in the wonder of the life that's around them and living that life and then point them and direct them that all that joy and all that wonder is poured out from heaven from a God who's a God of wonderful glory and goodness. And you will cultivate a God's awareness in the life of your children and your grandchildren. There's also the glory that was revealed when the Lord Jesus came to earth. John says of the Lord Jesus that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the whole life of the Lord Jesus is an expression of the glorious reality of God tenderly coming in contact with and touching human life. And then the Lord Jesus, before He went to the cross, as he was facing the death that he was going to die for us and the resurrection that was before him, prayed, Father, glorify your Son. And Christ is glorified in his death for our sins and his resurrection. The reason we recount over and over again the story of our salvation is because it's a glorious story. It's a story of God revealing himself and making himself known. What happens then is there's coming a day, the Bible says, when the Lord Jesus is going to return. And the Lord Jesus describes it this way. He says He's going to return in the clouds with power and great glory. Actually, 2 Thessalonians 1.10 says that Jesus Christ will come to be glorified among His saints. That's what's happening. It's going to be an outburst or outbreak of glory that's coming upon all the earth. When that happens, those who are waiting for Him, the Bible says, will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And at that moment, we'll be perfectly glorified with the perfected life of the Lord Jesus. 1 John 3, 2 says that when Jesus returns, we'll be like Him, for we'll see Him as He is. What is it? We're going to be transformed into His very glorious nature. That's what it is. That's what's going to happen to us. When Christ comes and reveals the splendor of His glory upon the earth, He's going to shed that glory upon us in such a way that Romans 8, 17 says at that moment, we will be glorified together in Him. Look at your life right now. Study yourself in the mirror from year to year. You're not being glorified. <laughs> the ravages of time are weighing in upon you, but there's coming a day when all the glorious, wonderful presence of the everlasting, ever-living God, the God who never ages, who's always young, who never tires, who can do the same thing over and over and over again and take equal delight in it every single day. Every day, he says, he calls out the stars by name. Never gets tired of it. Delights it at all. The infusion of that kind of overpowering life that breaks away whatever becomes monotony to you, become glorious expressions of the consistency and the grace and the goodness of God breaking in upon your life. Glory. Glory. Oh, that will be glory for me. Molding and shaping us into His presence. Romans 8.21 says that this is described as the glorious liberty of the children of God. It actually says that all of creation is longing for that day of the glorious liberty of the children of God because all of creation is going to be renewed in that glory. There's going to be a new heavens and earth that is completely renewed in the glory of God. Right now, we live breathing in the atmosphere of a broken world, of a sinful world. We live and we live within that environment and our lungs, in a sense, are 
accustomed to it. Our very lives, we know how to live and we make our way through it. Ultimately, we wear away and we die, but we're still receiving and engaging in the atmosphere of a broken and fallen world, but we're saved for glory. We're going to be brought into glory. We're going to go into heaven and a new earth which is nothing but glory. And in that moment, God is going to drive out and expunge every point of disease and sickness. Our lungs won't be able to accept it. We'll refuse it with glorious bodies. We'll need a glorious environment. And that's what we'll get. A full expression. Everything will radiate with the good presence of God. And we'll breathe it in throughout eternity. And that's our hope. That's our longing. We're made for glory. Christ will bring us to a new heaven and earth where we'll be glorified in the glory of God. And our glory will coincide with the full unveiling and revealing of the fullness of God's glory upon His creation. It's God's glory that will be our glory. Now, let me ask you a question, believer. You who profess Christ as Savior, is this something that excites you? Is this a certain hope that stirs up a great longing in you and a desire? Is this a promise that you receive and you hold? And it's not a false hope because it's a hope that you receive from a God who's able to raise the dead like Abraham believed. And it's a God who can speak nothing into existence. Does this capture you so that it's your boast, your brag, the exultant hope that's lying before your life? Is the exultant hope lying before your life that your investments will somehow come out for you so that you'll be able to retire and buy a nice big RV trailer, be able to live in a warmer climate or buy a home on the beach or whatever it is. I'm not saying that's all wrong, but is that what you're counting down? Is that how you're measuring your day? You know, like if you looked at it, our day is just this little span and you're at the very end of that span and you're just waiting for that time to come. And when that all comes, that's what you're looking forward to. And you're not even thinking about all the endless, all the endless glory beyond that. Where is your focus? What are you excited about? What are you living for? C.S. Lewis talks about hell. What he does is he points out that hell would be a place where people will get exactly what they wanted in life. They wanted, for the most part, a life without God. And in hell, they're going to get what they desire. And there's no indication, by the way, when they get in hell, that they're going to desire a change in that arrangement. It might not be a great place, but... That's what they wanted, and that's what they'll remain wanting. They don't want God. They don't want God in their life. At the same time, we can understand as a result of that, heaven is a place where the Christian gets what he or she wanted in life. We want God. We want the things of God. We want a relationship with Him. We want life that comes from Him. In heaven, that's what we get. And that's what is promised to us. When you study heaven, all that's promised is God is at the center of it. God is the temple. Jesus is the light thereof. It's Him. It's His presence. It's His life. So the Christian can kind of reason in themselves, well, those individuals who go to hell, and sad as it is, they got what they wanted all along in life. And so in a sense, it suits, it's right, it's just for them. And, but here's the thing, and just a little bit of a warning, that there's a little bit of an edge to this idea that might cut against our own selves. Because if heaven is a place where God's glory is completely unveiled and enjoyed, and that glory is something that we will personally experience throughout all eternity, and that God is even now preparing us for that glory by pouring out the glorious expressions of it in the graces that we have access to in this day and age. And this is the whole explanation of heaven itself. The whole explanation of heaven is simply this. God's glory. The experience of God's glory. And the question is, 
Is that really what I want? If I look at my life and the life I'm living as a professed believer, does my life demonstrate that what I want above everything else is the glory of God? Am I living for it? Is that my calculation in my decisions? Is that the point at which I confess my sin? Oh God, I didn't choose your glory. Wash and cleanse me. Let my life be about your glory alone, of all things that you would be glorified. Because if you're living in the comfort that you're a believer, but you don't know this experience, peace with God, the abounding awareness now of the outpoured goodness of God and grace from your Father, teaching you of His glorious ways so that you rejoice and you exult and you boast in the glory yet to come from those things. Maybe because you don't want it. You don't really want it. And it may be as a result, you won't get it because you get what you want in the end. Now, here's the wonderful thing. When you give your life to the Lord Jesus and receive Him as your Savior, He gives you your wants. He gives you your desires. Oh, your flesh still has cravings that lead you astray. But listen to what He's done to you. If you've given your life to Him, listen to what He's done for you. Your heart cries out for the things of God. Your heart cries out for a life with Him, at peace with Him. Your life cries out for the goodness of the Lord. Your heart longs for His glory. Thanks for joining us at the Bread of Life. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.